like going through my Facebook friends list to see if there was any family that I missed. And Grand Grand's Facebook is still up. Yeah. And Aww. I like cried in the bar. And Aww. we're gonna set up a memorial for all the greats that have passed at the Aww. funeral or at the at the wedding. I think that's and, awesome. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. I had a dream about her last night too, so let me see if I can make I had a dream about dragons last night. Does <laughs> that cheer you up a little? But not real dragons, dragon figurines. And I was some sort <laughs> of like something with parties and centerpieces that I had to design. And every single one I tried to put a dragon figurine in it. And every single customer was like, I really like that, but lose the dragon. <laughs> So that was my dream last night. <laughs> that's a great dream. Yeah, but that's my niche, like the dragon. Like, like but lose the dragon. And they all said it like that, but lose the dragon. But like, lose the dragon. It was like six customers and every single one was like, lose the dragon. <laughs> lose the dragon. And I had different dragons. They were like, I don't know what my weird obsession in this dream was, but it was like, you know, one's like, got flowers around it like almost hidden like maybe they won't notice (laughs) (laughs) that's great i have weird Uh, dreams sometimes i do too okay are we gonna are we gonna have a pug yeah we can't do it at the same time hannah let's do a round your mom gets mad when we talk at this let's do a round let's do a round start it jess okay what's happening just are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna have a podcast We are so dumb. <laughs> We're nerds. <laughs> All right. I shame us that for was our great. nerdiness. I love it. <laughs> so I think this is Sit down, I want to tell you a story. A really weird and messed up story. With murdering ghosts and gobbly ghouls. It's all really fucked up, so don't you be fooled. It's effed up family story time. Hey everybody, welcome to F'd Up Family Storytime, the podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Salem. And with us today are Belle and Jess. Yo, yo, yo. What up, guys? Hey, we might have planned that. It almost worked so well together. Our improving <laughs> skills are getting much, much better. Yay. <laughs> it's like we've been doing this for like how many months? A million. A million months. <laughs> well, we're only on episode 11. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so that's, that's what we're doing today. Okay. So, uh... Wild. Yeah. So we're here recording episode 11 on this beautiful winter day. It's like a 70 degree February day. (laughs) It's February 2nd. Candlemas in the house. Um, Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. Go Chiefs. And it is so hot that I'm sweating in the studio. So it's pretty nice. Only in Colorado, right? And also the rest of the world because of global warming. Oh, Oh, boy. (laughs) We're literally on fire. Yeah. (laughs) No. Well, with that wonderful note, (laughs) you used literally Let's talk about death. Let's talk about death. Let's talk about what we're drinking. Let's talk about death, baby. All right. Okay. So is it time for our fucked up drink? I think so. All right. Today is our podcast that we are recording and will be released before Valentine's Day. So in honor of Valentine's Day, I made a drink that um, supports the over-commercialization of Valentine's Day (laughs) and something that everybody always wants to have because they think it's romantic, chocolate-covered strawberries. Yum. Um, So this is our One Night Dragon. This is the name of our drink. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's great. And it is a chocolate stout. We're using Young's chocolate stout, but you could probably use any chocolate stout you enjoy. And then Summit strawberry and basil cider. Um, so I recommend not quite half and half on this, a little bit more cider uh, because the stout can kind of wash out the cider flavor. But amazingly, it actually kind of tastes like a chocolate strawberry. So what do you guys think? It's delicious. I like it. It's tasty. Yeah, it's one of my favorites that you've made. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yay, Valentine's Day! Yay! Yay, Jesse! Go One Night Dragon. Clink. Get it. <laughs> Yummy. Thank you, Jesse. Of course. I'm trying to lick I'm trying to lick the foam out of the bottom of my glass because mine's gone already. Well that was And I just spilled half of mine down my white sweater. That was kind of a fun <laughs> side effect, how foamy it got. It kind of almost made it like a little shake or something. Yeah. And I will say it looks gross. Like when I started making it, I'm like, ooh, it's so brown and foamy. But looks can be deceiving. Oh, it looks like a chocolate stout, and that's yummy. Yeah. If so, you are a clumsy bitch. Don't wear white while wearing this drink because I just stained my avalanche while, letter. While wearing, don't wear white <laughs> while you wear while the you, drink. While you drink it, while you consume. Because now she's wearing I it. I don't know. <laughs> How many have you had, Belle? Just like one and a half. But yeah, <laughs> and now it. your mom's stealing. Yeah, that's okay. I apparently don't need any more. Okay, so are we t- are we ready to okay, get to a yeah, story? We're ready. What All asshole right. are we talking about today? It's a total asshole. So, um, so today, me Salem, yay, is telling the story of Earl Leonard Nelson, aka the Gorilla Man or the Gorilla Killer, or aka the Dark Strangler. He was born in May of 1897 to Francis Nelson and James Farrell. Most of the things I read said he was born in San Francisco. One said he was born in Philadelphia, which was kind of like a weird, oh, oh, Philadelphia. Okay. But he was raised in San Francisco. So both of his parents died of syphilis before he was two. His mom died um, when he was about nine months old, and then his dad died seven months later. I don't know if she had syphilis when she was pregnant with him, but... Ooh. makes you wonder because he syphilis fucks with your brain yeah and he started out a very weird individual from the very beginning so what year was this um he was born in 1897 oh geez and so everyone had syphilis then yeah, yeah. <laughs> um there so they no died about less than two years later he went to go live with his uh maternal grandma uh, who was a widow. She had two other children that were younger than Francis. So they were, it was Willis and Lillian, and they were 10 and eight years older than Earl when he went to live with them. So uh, she was a very devout Pentecostal, and she raised her children in a really strict religious household. And she would often, you know, rant about the evils and the sins of the world, particularly sex and any kind of sexual relations. She was very much against any kind of like premarital sex or recreational sex. And um, the fact that her daughter had died of syphilis only fueled her fire. And so he was um, taught at a very early age how sex was bad, very bad. So, um, and there's some telling factors in his upbringing because there seems to be a correlation to some extent between uh, boys that are raised by really strict maternal figures, especially if they're very adamantly against sex and, and the sins of the world. Um, and then he was also alienated from his, it would be his aunt and uncle, but they were more like siblings the way he was raised in the household, but he was alienated from them because of his odd behavior. 
Well, and like the the sexual aspect, especially, I don't really know if he was like a sexual sadist killer or not, but typically with serial killers that are like sexual sadist killers, like they had a weird relationship with their sexuality and with sex in general when they were children. And like the super overbearing and like sex is always bad. It can never, ever be good. Like that really has an impact on a child's like psychological Mm -hmm. makeup and like yeah, well, if and I, that is what you're being told from a very young age, then you're automatically going to have a really already weird relationship with sex. Absolutely. Right? Well, and then there's the fact, too, that his parents, both of his parents died from a sexually transmitted disease that yeah. his, sure his grandma just like threw mm-hmm. it in his face all the time about how his mom and dad died from that. So that also puts another spin on it to him. But let's go over some of his weird behavior that he started to exhibit at a very young age let's see so he would switch from hyperactivity to depression kind of like what they think now was probably bipolar disorder so um he was wildly unpredictable um he had issues with hygiene he hated to shower um his grandma was always fighting him on that he would often leave the house in nice clean kept clothes and then come home in rags like he had switched his clothes with homeless people and filthy and dirty and he would often be gone even at a very early age like he would leave and just wander and be gone for days sometimes i mean it was really weird behavior the 1890s yeah (laughs) he uh liked to pick up heavy objects with his teeth he would be seen pulling his chair out from the table with his teeth like to sit down. Like, I know that that's not shit that you did, but that sounds like some weird shit that you could have done. Hey. It wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> Listen, I, mean, I didn't have front teeth for a while there, yeah, so and fuck you, would you. Skin your carrots. Do you remember when we were in Arkansas one time and you ran up to Uncle Randy, Bird is Randy, and you were like, want to watch me skin this carrot? And you're just like, ah, we were at Granny's house. I do remember that. And he that. was like, Oh, <laughs> I mean, there are a few parallels here that I see, but Listen, that's pretty funny. Well, he also would often walk around on his hands. That was like his that's one of his funny. normal modes of transportation was walking around on his hands. And he was I, I very, never did that bitch. Yeah. You never were able to. He was like his body makeup was like he was very stocky. He was built like a gorilla. That's where he got the nickname the gorilla man. And so he had like really long arms, abnormally long arms for the size of his torso. And his arms were, real, I know Why now. Are you so <laughs> <pointing to> me? <laughs> I knew there would be some sort of a connection made there. But his Ugh. arms were also really thick and muscular and he had really big hands. So, like, Not for me. him, walking on his hands wasn't as difficult as like for normally built people like he was definitely not like a normal shape of a person he should have just run away and joined the circus well yeah one of the podcasts i listened to on it that was a comment that the guy said like if he had just joined the circus he might have been okay like he might have like (laughs) never become a a killer (laughs) or had more access to people yeah so um, w- another odd behavior that he had, which this is really gross um, and weird, is that he started drenching his food in olive oil. Ew. And Ew. It, then he would slurp it up. He wouldn't use utensils. He would just stick his face in the plate and slurp up his food. So, Italians everywhere quaking. If yeah. It was like, if it was like 
you know, like a Blah. balsamic vinaigrette, like Kyle makes, like you know, no, like olive it was, oil but and what, balsamic. It vinegar. was just olive oil. I do that on all kinds of food or like everything, anything, oh, yeah, whatever dinner weird. was. Oh. He would just drench it in olive oil, wait for it to get all mushy, and then just slurp it up. That's me, but with cheese. like an animal. Did he not like chewy? I don't know. It, nobody really. They don't really His, explain why he because like back it, then. it was just like he was just this weird kid and everybody just kind of left him like, alone yeah, because he was weirdo. also a little scary and had a temper yeah. and and like didn't bother to get him any kind of help. He was obviously crazy. Well, but back then, yeah, there like, was no help. crazy was a different yeah. idea than now. Back too. then, the only people that were crazy that were women that were speaking their minds. <laughs> that's not entirely true but yes i thought they were to witches to a certain extent anyway uh, um, he, i i have a funny joke uh, <laughs> yeah. let's hear it he couldn't chew because he had to keep his teeth strong to pull out all the chairs <laughs> that's a funny joke Thank i'm so you. glad you told me it was funny before you told it that um, way i knew i had to laugh right. um, i wanted to make sure <laughs> So Earl was also very obsessed with the Bible. He would quote Bible scripture and it's thought that he did it often just to like appease his grandma because she was so religious, but he had a really hard time living by the, the teachings of the Bible, like treating others like the golden rule and, you know, treating others how you would like to be treated and such. Um, he was kind of a like he would steal. Rule. He would fight. He had a bad temper. You know, he was not necessarily the best behaved child, but he was always quoting his Bible scriptures to make sure everybody knew that he was religious. He was caught shoplifting on several occasions. Uh, he got to the point where the other kids at the school would just tease him, call him an animal. So he really had no good relationships in his life he was alienated everywhere you know but he didn't seem to really care like i said he had a, a bad temper and he would often get in fights after the kids would tease him and he got kicked out of school at the age of seven because oh i mean that's how young all this behavior started it escalated to the point where he got kicked out of school for quote incorrigible behavior um at seven so one interesting thing uh, about his life is that he lived in San Francisco during the big earthquake uh, in 1906. I don't know if you know anything about it, but it was horrible. It was like a 7.9 on the Richter scale. Um, it caused horrible fires throughout the city. So essentially the whole city was destroyed. There was believed, estimated to be about 400,000 people that lived in San Francisco at the time and over 300,000 people were rendered homeless after the earthquakes and the fires. And there's an estimated, because they didn't keep very good records of like the people in Chinatown that died and some of the minor, you know, minority districts, they estimate between like 300 to 3,000 people died. Mm -hmm. So he would have been eight or nine when this um, happened. And he had already started wandering the city and like he would be gone for couple days at a time so he was out in the streets so when this happened you can just imagine that he was out <clears throat> in the streets witnessing all of the carnage and the death and the horrific things and you got to wonder if that affected him even more or if he was already just enjoying it to a certain extent mm -hmm. you know because he was just always from the very beginning just off in that sense and then when he was about 10 he was in an accident while riding a bicycle that he took from his uncle. He ran in front of a streetcar and he was hit by a streetcar and drug for about a block. Oh my gosh. When they pulled him out from under the streetcar, 
it he had been drugged in a way that it had worn a hole in the temple of his head ah. and his head had been noticeably elongated oh no and what? He, yeah yeah <clears throat> and he was unconscious they thought he was gonna die um it's unclear to me whether they took him to a hospital or if they took him home but he was unconscious for six days and then he awoke and seemingly normal except for he his odd behavior became even more pronounced and he developed other traits like talking to himself um talking to people that weren't there oh, man. um he started he displayed like a behavior that was almost like Tourette's where he would blurt out obscenities and just words and stuff so maybe he had Tourette's, uh, it, but they obviously didn't diagnose him with that. But, you know, he'd be sitting at the dinner table. So imagine 12-year-old Earl Leonard Nelson coming to dinner. Let's see. He walks in on his hands. He then stands up, picks the chair, pulls it out with his teeth, sits down, drenches his food in olive oil, and then proceeds to slurp it up while yelling obscenities and other um like inappropriate things at the people he sitting at the dinner table with him so yeah and then i mean yeah talking to himself seeing things that aren't there so eventually um his grandma dies and some people think it's from the stress of raising her grandson but she also lived through the earthquake and all of that and it's also the 1900s -1900s. people died for no goddamn reason (laughs) so but he was 14 when she died and so this left him in the care of his uh aunt lillian who she you know she really took like she felt pity for him and she viewed him you know he was family so she viewed him as somebody she needed to care for and kind of um kind of pity but she was always afraid of him the whole family was afraid of him he would spy on the children or anybody when they were changing and he wouldn't even like hide it he would just watch them and then he started compulsively masturbating up to like you know 12 times a day hey. which I don't know. Some young teenage boys might tell you isn't that much. Yeah, but, but how do you get anything done? But he would just do it in front of people. I mean, like he didn't really care no. who watched him. It was just a compulsive thing. And then at the age of fifteen, he started visiting um, brothels, and you know he just was very much had this sexual drive. Your parents died of syphilis. What are you doing? Back in the day when that was like a thing, like not like, you know, like 15 year olds going into brothels, just like walking in. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, they didn't charge you or anything. If you had the money, you could get what you wanted. So it was interesting. There's a quote from his aunt Lillian talking about how like his behavior was when he lived with them. And she says, quote, he was just like a child and we considered him like a child. And of course, we would never go too far with him because there was always the fear of him. So that had to Hmm. have been a really weird kind of lifestyle for them, Mm -hmm. the whole family to have him in the home and kind of be afraid of him. But also like we have to take care of him because he's just a child. I'm going to say it. Hmm. If you're afraid of your family, you're allowed to cut them off. (laughs) Um, Regardless of age. (laughs) I agree. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. So his aunt was getting to the point um, where she was considering asking him to leave. He was just, he was threatening enough to the family and she was worried about her children. But then uh, he handled the situation for himself. So on one of his wandering trips that he had taken, he was in, in Plumas County, 
which I guess is a wooded area, I think, east of San Francisco. But he came upon a cabin that he thought was abandoned. And so he was stealing from it, robbing it. And the owner came home and caught him. So he ran into the woods and then they formed a posse and they eventually captured him. He was sentenced to two years in San Quentin. So that took him out of his aunt's house. And then after he was released from prison, he joined the military. He joined under his uh, original name. He was born Edward Leonard Farrell after his dad. So he used that name to enlist. But he was only in the military for six weeks before he went AWOL. He couldn't handle the rigorous structure of the military. So then he decided he wanted to be a Mormon. So he head from there to Utah, (laughs) out to Salt Lake City. I think that he like had read a lot of John Smith's writings and like kind of idolized him. It's kind of weird. Have I told you to have multiple wives? Yeah, Yeah, maybe that's it. He just had to get off. Have I told you about how James just woke up one day and was like, you know, I have the urge to just move to Salt Lake City and be a good Mormon man. (laughs) Nope. I don't fucking know why. I don't think he wakes up from a dead sleep. He's He's like, like, I want to move to Salt Lake City. I want to be Mormon. And be a good Mormon man. And then he falls. Was he listening (laughs) to some tape with like subliminal messages or something? I can't believe I said tape. tape? (laughs) Well, hopefully he was just joking. I think he was. Okay. So well, don't be another sister wife. Earl's trek out to become a Mormon didn't last very long. He quickly hmm. got bored with the whole thing. He moved uh, back to San Francisco, I believe, but he joined the military again. So it was the second time in the military. And this time he lasted a little over a month. Um, and then he went AWOL. And so, he bounced around for a couple of months, and then he joined the military again. Why do they keep taking him back? I think he keeps changing his I name. I was just going to oh, ask yeah. that, because I'm like, otherwise, I mean, I know it's the early 1900s, but their screening process, yeah. like, first of all, the fact that he got in at all. I <laughs> yeah. know. I know. So this third time that um, he was there, he ended up deserting again. I'm not sure how long he stayed in the military this time, but his excuse for leaving this time was that he had a constant quote burning about the anus that made him have to wander, made him. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? I don't know that I've ever had wanderlust, but is that what it feels like? (laughs) Burning in the anus. (laughs) I hope I never get it. If that's I ate too much chili tonight. I just got to walk around for a bit. I got to Maybe it's, yeah, you get hemorrhoids. You can't sit down. I got to wander. She's got to pace. Fucking weird, huh? Um, (laughs) So then after he left the military this third time, he joined the military one last time. And this time. How many is this? um, Five? This is four. Okay. (laughs) And at this time, they recognized that he had some mental illness because he wouldn't do the work that they like he was ordered to do, he would just lay around and read the Bible and quote the Bible. And so they discovered that he has a mental illness and they had him committed to Napa State Mental Hospital. You fucking think? Yeah. (laughs) Finally. You know, interesting that like the thing that he did was like, you know, it's so conditioned by living with his grandma that all he did was read and quote the Bible. Like, yeah. And that got him committed to an insane (laughs) asylum. So religion hurts people. (laughs) 
so he was in uh, the mental hospital for about 13 months and he escaped twice during that time nice. and was captured and returned and um, then he escaped a third time and at this point they basically did not bother to go find him they just wrote the papers that he was discharged and improved because they didn't want to have to deal with this and he was making them look bad I think um, and then I forgot to mention and I don't have the details written down but I think some somewhere in the midst of this he had been arrested for other crimes and gone to jail and he had escaped before so this it's was so becoming a thing that he was known for was escaping he could funny. get out of anything it's just so funny to me how easy it was to escape well but well, he was good at it he escaped you? from well, multiple but then, like, places you think about a little boy like, you know ted bundy escaped from prison like four times or some shit and it was like, once i thought it was twice i think it's twice it was twice because he um, jumped out of a second story window yeah. that was not in jail though no that, that was, was during court, his court. court but yeah. he like he was in jail in colorado and then like uh-huh. starved yeah. himself to climb through the duct or something crazy I don't well really you know. know that before he jumped out of that second story window he had assessed the the courthouse and so he oh, yeah. spent like his time jumping off the second bunk bed uh-huh. in conditioning his, cell, his ankle conditioning himself to be able what to handle fucking weirdo yeah anyway, or that's genius a different that's podcast. a different story <laughs> so anyway after he was quote discharged from the mental hospital uh he returned back to his aunt lillian's home um and he began working as a janitor in saint mary's hospital and there he met mary martin Mary Martin was 58 years old, and she was a spinster, had never been married, and she really enjoyed the attention that Earl was paying her because she'd never really had anybody give her that attention before. He was enjoying the mothering aspect, the maternal aspect, this 58-year-old woman. And it's interesting because a lot of his victims um, end up being women that were spinsters, widows, but of that age, that kind of... That kind of um, demographic demographic thank you like especially with like kemper how like you know he would like kill all these women because he mostly wanted to murder his mother Mm -hmm. and then the moment he murdered his mother he stopped killing well and then you got to remember earl was raised by his very Very devout mm -hmm. pentecostal religious strict grandmother and so who told him sex was bad sex was wrong Oh, that just your parents are bad because they had sex and they had you. I don't know. So anyway, Mary Martin and Earl Nelson end up getting married. So how old was he at this point? Gosh, I think he was like early 20s, 22, maybe. Okay, So quite the May, December romance. Oh, yeah. He could have been her grandson, not just her son, but her grandson. And so they got married and um, it was not a good marriage. He had a voracious sexual appetite, so he would demand sex. And when she would deny him sex, uh, he would masturbate on her. I know, disgusting. Um, and then he would sometimes beat her. He would take his frustrations out on her. As time went on the and the relationship progressed, he became more frightening. It was while he was married to her that he attempted his first murder. So it was in May of 1921. He pretended to be a plumber um, that was checking for gas leaks. So he knocks on this house, says, I'm a plumber. I'm checking for gas leaks in the neighborhood. I need to go down to your basement and look at your gas lines. And when he goes down there, there is a young girl, 12-year-old Mary Summers, was playing in the basement. So he um, attacked her and immediately tried was trying to rape her. She screamed, and her older brother rushed to the basement. He saw Nelson on the stairs. Nelson pushed past him and ran out. Then uh, the father, 
I think it was the father and him fought in the street until he knocked him out and was able to run away. They alerted the authorities, and a couple hours later, after forming a posse and a search party, they managed to capture him, and they put him in jail. Back in the day when, like, mob mentality, like, kind of worked. Mm -hmm. Let's find this guy. But now it's just like, let's harass this guy on the internet until he kills himself. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, (laughs) back in the... Old days, so it was grab your torch and pitchfork. Yeah, you know, and, we'll yeah. kill, kill the ourselves. beast. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, mom mentality there's, is there's bad. It never there's works. there's a line. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question okay. that's related, but maybe not important. But I can't move past it. Okay. Do plumbers check gas? Well, lines? I don't know. Maybe back then plumbers also ran gas lines okay. too. I don't know. But that's that, like, just... I mean, like if a plumber came to my house and said, I'm a plumber, I want to check your gas line, I would laugh at them and close the door and lock it and call somebody because yeah. like- but it uh, involves pipes. But so that's also mean. like- <laughs> I think it's probably okay. a similar back then. And it would everybody be a was way more trusting. Just because, because it's laying pipes, you know, it's the same thing, yeah. only instead of carrying water, you're carrying gas. But that seems like way more intense. Like if, if a water Explosive. pipe bursts, it's just going to be a flood. <laughs> yeah. But if a gas pipe bursts, that's like a block injured, you know? Like, <laughs> either way, it was enough to get him in the door. That's true. I mean, so, it worked. Yeah. I was just curious it's, but if I, yeah, I don't know. dumb or if that was like something that actually would be realistic. <laughs> Everybody then. was just way more trusting back then. That's true. So, and then after this, I've heard conflicting stories. So, um, some accounts say that he was transferred from the jail to the city hospital because he was acting crazy and that his wife, Mary, then found him tied to a bed wearing a straitjacket complaining about the faces that were watching him from the wall while he was in the hospital. And this is when she realized that her husband was truly crazy, like she didn't already know, and she was, like, done with him. Another account, though, says that he escaped from jail and that Mary and went to see Mary and Mary fled to the hospital looking for some, you know, safety from her husband. And he found her in the hospital and tried to rape her while she was in the hospital. And her screams alerted the staff. And then he was arrested and sent back to jail. But either way, he was eventually determined to be so far distorted in his mind to endanger health and person and dangerous to be at large, but also found that he was not mentally stable. So they transferred him back to Napa State Mental Hospital, where he had escaped already three times. And did he escape again? Um, well, I think he killed more people, see. so... He actually he actually spent quite a bit of time in there because he was an escape risk. They he wasn't allowed to be anywhere outside of the building. He was always supervised. He was often um, chained so that he couldn't run away. And he stayed there for about eighteen months. I want to say. He actually made progress in the beginning because he was diagnosed with syphilis and gonorrhea when he was admitted. And the treatment for the syphilis actually seemed to make an improvement in his mental state. But then he started to degrade again over the 18 months and become increasingly restless. And eventually he escaped. He went back to his aunts. And this is another quote from her. She says, quote, he had his face right against the glass with a horrible, crazy hat on, and I let out one terrible scream because he looked so awfully insane. His eyes were just black, glaring at me, and the children rushed up to me, and of course I opened the door because he was my own flesh and kin, and I loved him. So how conflicted was she? Oh like, he's yeah. this terrifying monster. It's hard, well, though, it's you know, like, but, you know. I mean, what would you do if... 
I was crazy. Or if like I was crazy. That's not like, a hard choice. Like, what would you do <laughs> if I was a murderer? Yeah, I know. It's Tell hard. Tell you to get the fuck away from me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very good. His aunt, because she was so scared of him, she gave him some of her husband's clothes and told him to get away. She convinced him that he was in danger there. So she she sent him off, told him that he was in danger. But as soon as he left, she called the police. It took two days, but they captured him. They sent him back to the Napa State Mental Hospital. And he was there for another 16 months where they discharged him, no. saying that he was improved. Let's see. Uh, discharged and improved is what they labeled his papers. So and so then he went back... Um, to his wife, Mary, and uh, some accounts say that his wife took him back and some say they didn't. But either way, this is, uh, this is where the killing spree begins. Mm. How old is he at this point? Uh, let's see, what year is it? So 16 months after the November 23, so sometime in 24, 25. So what does that make him, 28 years old? Because he was yeah, born in not 30 97. Yet. Yeah. Okay. So he's just, about 28. I just like to note that. Just yeah. like, you know, get the span. Is he still walking around on his hands? Yeah, he'll still walk around As on his hands. As an adult? Hands. Yeah. He, oh that's still one of his, and he still picks stuff up with, with his teeth. I think he changed his eating habits when he was in the military. So I don't think he eats. Because they wouldn't give him olive oil. olive oil. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that like the picking stuff up with his teeth and the hand walking was maybe as prominent at this point. But other behaviors became more prominent, like talking to himself, seeing hallucinations. I did leave out while at some point when he was married to his wife before this was before he his first attempted murder. He had fallen off a ladder and hit his head. So he had suffered another head injury, which had rendered him unconscious and in the hospital for two days. Then the hallucinations became even worse after that. And that's when he tried to kill the little girl. And so, like, Uh. you got to wonder how much of this is from all of the horrible shit that happened to Mm -hmm. his being. Well, and his brain is being eaten away by syphilis. Uh Well, yeah, that's true so it's really you know i mean he was obviously had some issues because at a very young age he was doing really really weird stuff but then he had all of these contributing factors that just compounded the situation makes you wonder Hmm. how like if he didn't have all of that stuff if he would ever been a murderer if he would have just been a weirdo you know know who else had syphilis and went crazy al capone Oh, oh that's true I think they wanted him to be called. He wanted people to call him Bubbles when he was in prison because he was going insane from. I want to be I've called Bubbles. <laughs> I've heard that that was like a nickname of his, Bubbles or something oh. like that. But maybe, but it's I, because yeah. of that. <laughs> and Hitler like, had syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the first half of the story, and I All think right. we'll take a break. Sure. Air this place out because it's hot. It's yeah. hot. <laughs> I could use some fresh air. about a sims tarot podcast yeah. so, and nobody invited me i'm sorry so i don't like you guys oh i didn't know you well, played the sims i don't but nobody invited me still okay. you don't play the sims <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um so we're having a podcast where we're each gonna do gameplay and then our podcast will be us talking about like what evolved out of our gameplay but the twist is that major decisions about our characters our sims and what they do is going to be decided by tarot cards that we draw and so then we'll also discuss like the tarot cards and what the meanings of them are and why we chose like our certain viewpoint and stuff so are you 
pulling the tarot cards on yourself or on your Sims character? On our Sims characters. So, so um, I while I'm thinking about it, it just came to mind. I want to give a shout out to a couple people that have been listening to our podcast. Maybe they'll hear their names. Yeah. Um, we well, got fans. One is Jordan. She uh, is a new coworker. She has no reason to like us, but she said she liked us. So Aww. I take her thanks, opinion. Jordan. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Jordan. Jordan. Keep listening. Stop singing and then, things in the Hot Pockets song. <laughs> thanks, Jordan. <laughs> Another is Tina. She's also a coworker. She said she's listened to um, a couple episodes. So maybe she'll keep listening. Maybe she'll hear her name. Thanks, Anybody Tina. who wants to shout out to us, send us an email. Reach out to us on Facebook. You know, if you'd like to leave a rating for us. So we are going to dive right in to the known murders of Earl Leonard Nelson. He was not convicted of these murders. He was he was actually convicted and sentenced to death pretty quickly. But uh, he started his killing spree after he had been released from the mental hospital. And uh, I'm just going to read through these names. I might touch on a few points as I go through, but there's a lot. I can't really go into detail. There's really no reason to go into a lot of detail with all of them because basically he had the same MO. He would find room to rent ads and, you know, by like old ladies. Some of them were married. Oftentimes they were spinsters or widows. So they were alone. Um, back in this time, that was a really common thing that women who had houses with extra rooms and then after their children left or whatever would rent them out for money. There were a lot of people that needed places to stay. So he would dress himself up in nice clothes, even though he preferred to be stinky and not shower for months at a time Probably and wear rags. not walk on his hands. Yeah, he would walk up on his feet and open the would, door with his hands, not his would, teeth. Yes, right? Exactly. All of the things that, that a quote normal person would do. Um, and he would uh, present this charming young man who was looking for a room to rent. And uh, and then he would murder the, the lady. And he would always, almost always rape them after he killed them. He was very much into necrophilia. And so that was so that was pretty standard. There's varying circumstances involved in each situation, but the the gist of it was that he would take these poor women unawares and kill them and then rape them and then leave. Um, I mean, honestly, though, I'd rather be killed and then raped versus raped and then killed. So um, we're going to start with Clara Newman, who is 60 years old. She was murdered February 20th, 1926. She was the first victim. It was in San Francisco. She was discovered by her nephew. Um, she had been interrupted in cooking breakfast by um, Earl coming to the door as a potential renter. And he followed her. He asked to be shown around, followed her upstairs, and then killed her raped her corpse. When the nephew came in, I do believe that he caught him leaving. So he saw him. So, okay. So Clara Newman was murdered. And then on March 2nd of 1926, Laura E. Beale, age 60, was murdered in San Jose. So he traveled from San Francisco to San Jose. And then on June 10th, Lillian St. Mary, uh, 63 years old, was mar- murdered in San Francisco. So he went like back to back San Francisco. How far away is San Francisco from San Jose? It's like a two-hour drive. Okay. Just for my own knowledge. I I'm think, sorry. I think. I've made the drive. It might even be less than it's that. It's just like I get all confused. I know. He was furiously traveling, though, all over like, the place. Well, and like back an then. Hour. Yeah. So the last murder was on June 10th. So then on June 24th, Anna Russell, age 58, was murdered in Santa Barbara. 
which is a fair distance, I believe, from. So he traveled furiously to get down there. So in this one, he was actually caught by a tenant. He, the tenant heard some banging noises coming from the adjacent room. So he went over and he, at first he thought he kind of was looking through the door, thought that he saw a man having sex with a woman. Then he noticed that the woman on the bed was the landlady who was married. So he knew something Mm. was up. And then on further inspection, he noticed that she was dead. And on, upon the interruption, Earl grabbed his stuff and he left. So the guy, you know, so at this point, a couple of people have seen him. Mm -hmm. He's starting to kind of create this. He's making himself aware to the public. That's like what I'm he's to becoming say. recognizable, he's being and, known, and I, and he obviously looks like somebody who is yes, easily recognizable exactly. with his like deformed head and his twelve foot yeah, long arms, his and elongated shit. head. No, absolutely, That's he so was sad. very recognizable by his description. Oh. Uh, after he fled from there, uh, August sixteenth, Mary Nesbitt, age fifty two, was killed in Oakland. And then on October 19th, Beatrice Withers, age 35, was found in Portland. So this began began a series of three murders that he committed in Portland uh, after her on the 20th of October. So just so he committed one on the 19th, one on the 20th and one on the 21st. This is all in 26. This is all in 26. Yeah. He just went on this huge rampage in just one year. Almost 100 years Um, ago. So and that was the see on the 20th, Virginia Grant, age 59. On the 21st, Mabel Fluke. So uh, it was also in Portland that he had a near miss where he had um, attempted to rent a room from a lady, but she had heard some of the things because by now he had been called by the media the Dark Strangler. So they were starting to circulate this information about what he looked like and his MO, who he's mm-hmm. killing. And so this lady would not let him in the house. So then he rushed into the basement and then tried to call her down into the basement by saying that he smelled gas and he thought there was a leak and she wouldn't come down. She said, why don't you come look at my flowers? They're so pretty. Come talk to me and look at my flowers, trying to lure him out of the house. And he got pissed off and was like, fuck your flowers and ran away. So um, it's so funny. He's like, come down here. There's gas. And she's like, no, no, no. Come up here. I have flowers. I she I was have a smart lady and flowers. she didn't get killed. So after leaving Portland, because after this, you know, they had heard the account of the near miss. They had the dead women. The dark strangler. He had to flee. Um, On November 15th, uh, he killed Blanche Myers, age 48, in Oregon City. On November 18th, uh, Wilhelmina Edmonds, age 56, was killed in San Francisco. So he's back to San Francisco. And then on the 24th of November, he uh, kills Florence Monks in Seattle. December 23rd, uh, Elizabeth Beard was killed in Council Bluffs. I don't know where that is. Uh, and then in I December, like Iowa. That's what yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> I think well, so too. in December, on date unknown, it says Bonnie Pace was killed in Kansas City. Oh, shit. Okay, oh. so maybe it was Iowa. So yeah. he was making his he way from to San train. Francisco. Yeah, yeah, headed out east. Um, at some point in all of these, he leaves his real name on one of the little things you fill out when you go rent a room. And so now they had his name too. So now they had descriptions of him, 
um, and his name, and they were starting to try to at, like anticipate his moves, but he was moving so quickly and killing so furiously. I mean, it was just like boom, 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 well, one after so the other. It was so hard to track people back then. Like yeah. now, like you commit one small crime. And they'll find your and ass. And you're like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You can still hop trains nowadays. Yeah, but they'll find you. But they'll still find you. There's cameras just, everywhere. Yeah. So also in Kansas City, he murdered a woman, Ger- Germania Harpin, on December 28th. He also killed her eight-month-old baby. He <gasps> smothered no. her. I know. How sad. Ugh. Um, And then, so then he takes a break. So he goes from he December to April. Oh. So April 27th, so 1927, Mary McConnell, age 60, was killed in Philadelphia. And then on May 30th, Jenny Randolph was killed in Buffalo. And then there's two in Detroit. um, He's going to Canada. And they were killed at the same time. Uh, June 1st, Minnie Mae was killed, and also one of her lodgers, Mrs. Antwerp, Mm. was killed at the same time. Um, And then on June 3rd, he uh, killed Mary... I'm going to say this wrong. Saitsema in Chicago. And then he made it to Canada. And uh, he hitchhiked into Canada, giving some... He Everybody he met, he said he was going to Canada to work on the farms or the ranches up there, which anybody who was lived up there knew that they didn't have things like this. But the guy that he hitchhiked with, you know, he was American. He didn't know. So uh, he fell for the that story. Mysterious nation of Canada. Yeah. Us Americans Nobody don't knows. know anything about it. We really it. don't. It's a mystery. It's true. It's Nobody kind of. Nobody knows <laughs> about Canada. I feel like I know a lot more, though, ever since watching Letter Kenny. That show's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, totally. So um, on June 8th and then on June 9th, that's when he committed his murders. First, he killed a 14 year old girl. Named Lola Cohen. He had made, I guess I didn't say, he'd made it to Winnipeg. So this is Mm. in Winnipeg. And what is guessed is that he was at a home. He was trying to rent a room. And it's kind of interesting. The lady he rented a room from, he didn't kill in this instance. But as they, they suspect he was standing outside of the lodging place and that this girl, she was selling flowers, trying to make ends meet. You know, her family was struggling. And that he saw her and just took advantage oh, of man. the situation. And then on June 9th, he killed a woman, Emily Patterson. So he was trying to steal from the Patterson home, I believe. But he, he broke into the home and murdered the wife. When the husband came home, his wife was missing and he didn't know where she was. So everybody was searching for for her and I think they all were starting to suspect that this dark strangler strangler the gorilla killer was in Winnipeg but he was kneeling at his bed praying to God to please take him to his wife and at that point in time he dropped something and looked under the bed and saw her sweater under the bed and then found her dead body no so I feel like looking under the bed is like find someone 101 (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, you know and it's interesting to me too because then the body of lola the 14 year old girl she was found under his bed so the police went to the place where he w- had boarded and talked to the landlady there looking for him because they suspected that he was the killer uh-huh. and she said you know he was such a nice christian man when he came and rented so she didn't really think it could be him but she let them search the place and he was gone and she said that's not unusual that boarders will just leave but as soon as the police left she went up to search his room and as the door was open another tenant was like walking by and just happened to see what 
what he thought initially was a mannequin under the bed and they found the body oh, of man. this girl so he that's he hit them both under the bed so how many like you know you hear about inner you know, interstate killers all the time but like how many international killers really are there like this guy like murdered people yeah. in like Multiple. how many states and I, then also in Canada and like still didn't get caught. You know, yeah. I bet back then though, when you could just yeah walk yeah. across the border, there were a lot more than nowadays. That's well, true. at this point, he's considered like one of the first known serial killers in America. At this point, the idea of ser- serial yeah. killing was really foreign. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even a thought. Like it yeah. wasn't even, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, was considered the most prolific serial killer up until they Dean Coral. And so, you know, and is that because he was, or is it just because they didn't have the knowledge yeah. and the, the mm. understanding to be able to track these guys and well, put and all I the murders that's together? Part of it too. Like you have to think like, especially since like the seventies and all of those serial killers, mm-hmm. and all of the research that happened, like now we know what to look for, you know, like we see these patterns in childhood and can hopefully, intervene before they develop into something more serious yeah and you know even if they do start murdering like we have more of a resource to be able to find yeah. them and apprehend mm-hmm. them and well i was i forget what podcast it even was but i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how the instance of serial killers is so much less than it used to be but how it's not really because people are better it's because we catch them faster before they can be serial killers my favorite theory about the rise of serial killings in the 70s is that that's when we still used leaded gasoline and so everybody essentially had lead poisoning and that's why everybody was so fucking crazy it's not a proven theory but it's my favorite one (laughs) no people are still equally as fucked up like murders happen all the time it's just it's it's really interesting and i can talk about this forever so i'll be very brief on the subject (laughs) but (laughs) how because how society has changed and the way that we like just our our day-to-day society has changed that has caused crime to change and the way that people commit crime to change and so instead of like the the huge amount of serial killers that you would see in like the 70s or even the 80s like it has now shifted to that kind of crime is now like a mass murder yeah instead of a right. serial it's killer true. because they we, like we as a society have made it virtually impossible for someone to kill people in such a long span of time and not be caught they have to figure that out they have to, to figure out so many people right. in, in one seconds. go exactly yeah. that makes sense I, I, one podcast i was listening to I drive too far to work. Um, <laughs> was about a man who killed someone in Oregon in like 2016, and they were talking to like a psychiatrist or somebody, and they asked the psychiatrist, like, "Do you think he would have been a serial killer?" And they said, "Absolutely," but they were able to catch him. Yeah, you know, so it's just it's different. So nowadays, anyway, speaking of catching him, yay! Uh, <laughs> so the authorities were alerted. Um, they went looking for him. He was gone. They they had already assumed that he was this guerrilla killer. So they set up, you know, a posse, whatever, went looking for him. They found him. He surrendered and was very mild-mannered and very nice and charming. They took him in. He fully cooperated and to the point where they were even questioning whether he was the right guy. And um, But they put him in a jail cell. Did he escape? They put him <laughs> in a century-old cell in the 
Killarney Jail without shoes, socks, and a belt, as was custom. He went without complaint. They locked him in, uh, went to go get something, came back. The door was open. He'd picked the lock. He, I think he found, like, a rusty uh, bobby pin or something in his in his bed, you know, like yeah. stuck in his bed. So he escaped, went on the run. At this point, they knew that they had the gorilla killer, so they sent out everybody they could, and he eventually was apprehended. Oh, my gosh. Um, and they were able to follow him to a certain extent because he was so recognizable, but also because he kept giving this bullshit story of why he was in Canada, and so it would stand out to these people. So then when the cops would ask, have you seen this guy? Well, there was this one strange fellow <laughs> who was lying about... So anyway, <sighs> he was captured. Go um, Canada. They kept him under serious lock and key. I only, th- I mean, he was basically convicted immediately. <laughs> the trial went like that. They had evidence I mean, against him. He was convicted and then he was hanged. You so, find a girl's dead body under his bed in 1920s Canada. Like, yeah. That's all the evidence they need, right? Exactly. Nowadays, there'd be all this hullabaloo with a lawyer about that's circumstantial. You can't prove <laughs> yeah, he put it can. under his yeah. bed. Yeah. Somebody could have planted that body. So he was executed by hanging in 1928. His murder spree spanned from February of um, 1926 to... I don't know what month. April, uh, I think. Oh, January. Said. Oh, January. No, January of 1928. Oh. So it was roughly a little less than two years, and he killed like 22 women. Oh, my God. Oh, between and a baby. San- and a baby. Between San Francisco, all the way down to Santa Barbara, all the way out to Kansas City, up to, to Philadelphia, Seattle. to Buffalo, up to Canada. Michigan. Within yeah. two years, I mean, he was just frantically just. I don't. I wonder if he even really knew what he was doing. I yeah. wonder if he yeah. just it's had a so, compulsion to go go. Yeah. Like this is my life. This is what I do. I mean, all we can do is like infer based on what we know from serial killers that have like given their story. You know, about, yeah. like what was going on through his mind. And but everything. also the fact that he escaped so many times <laughs> points to the fact that he was totally mentally capable to understand what he was doing what Mm -hmm. he was doing was wrong because you're not going to escape if you are just like unaware of what you're doing if you were like truly fit the the definition of like criminal insanity then you wouldn't do that because you have no comprehension of what what if but he talked to voices and people that weren't there so there's always the argument that he was acting on the instruction of those voices so he as a person didn't really know what he was doing he was just following the direction of these people that he saw around him now i don't know what those people told him but that if I was a defense attorney, mm-hmm. I'd be finding a psychiatrist that would, or a psychologist that would say that yeah. that's what happened. It you know what I mean? Your own free will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't actually know he should escape. He was told to escape because he couldn't stop killing. He had to get out there. He had to kill those people. Well, one of the doctors, uh, when he was in the mental hospital, had diagnosed him with, quote, nomadic dementia. And that was what led him to this wandering, this need, because it was a compulsion. But burned. He felt like his anus <laughs> yeah. was burning, but he felt like he had to go and he, from a very young age. So maybe that was part of it, too, was just that he had this compulsion to move, move, so move. Constantly. He didn't escape because he wanted to kill people. He escaped just because he couldn't handle being contained. Is burning, man. man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that is the story of Earl Leonard Nelson. Fuck oh, him. Man. The gorilla killer, the dark strangler. It he was a of, fucked up individual. Yeah. I just wish that we had 
a little bit more insight into his brain. Yeah. You know, right. like that's the one thing that I'm like missing. From they should have looked through that hole in his temple. Yeah. Just like get some insight into his brain. A little magnifying glass. <laughs> a little oh. light. Like uh, when they check your tonsils and your so. ears and shit at the doctor. Heavy hitter this time. Yeah. 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 So anybody else want to add anything or have any other questions? Just, you know. All those poor victims. I know. Those poor I did, women just trying to make we, a living. I did rush we, through the victims, and I'm sorry. I didn't want, just don't so want it to many. seem insensitive. It is maybe, really a tragedy. Maybe yeah, we really can is. list the names on when we post this. Maybe yeah, we can list I can the do names. That. Yeah, but it it's just I know, and it's and you know we poke a lot of fun, but always remember we're trying to poke fun at the crazy asshole murderer. Yeah, and we yeah. have the utmost respect for all of the victims and their families and their oh, families and, and anybody else who has faced a trauma similar mm-hmm. to what we talk Even about in these like shows. Even just like the terror of like knowing like yeah. killer on the loose. Mm-hmm. You know? But totally. we make fun of the killers because they're assholes. Because they assholes. deserve they to deserve be made fun of and shamed. Right? Made mm-hmm. fun of. Oh yes. Very good. Is it time to move on to things that don't suck? Do you remember yeah. what you were going to say? No. Okay. I'll say it off air. Okay. If I it. <laughs> All right. Well, who wants to go first? I got mine. Yeah, okay. Do it. I am grateful for the Chiefs being in the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Woo! We're going to go watch go it later. Rockies. Yes. <laughs> go, go Rockies. <laughs> I'm going to go eat some not good for me food. Yeah, some drinks, some touchdown sweater. shots. I thought about going back to my house after this and then having Evie and I lift to Kelly's and then lift home. But there might not be time now. Uh, I'm sorry. We're so, we are always so (laughs) drawn out. (laughs) I should have known better. thing that doesn't suck is that after a month of not having a job, I finally have an interview that's not for a total multi-level, multi-level marketing scam because I've had like three fucking interviews (laughs) that are for MLMs and I'm like I don't want to be a part of your shitty scam (laughs) I just want a job that I don't fucking hate so here's to hoping that this interview goes well and I can just be a warehouse troll for the rest of my life and never have to deal with customers again didn't we used to to call multi-level marketing Pyramid, like pyramid schemes? schemes? Isn't yes. that what we used to call it? Why do MLM. We, why do we have such respect for them now? I mean, They're I don't still shitheads. Pyramid schemes. Yeah, no, it's shitheads. just stupid. Shitheads. <laughs> shitheads. <laughs> shitheads. Wasted so much time and gas going to these fucking pyramid scheme interviews. I'm not going to be able Fuck to own them. a marketing firm in eight months. It doesn't fucking happen. It's all bullshit. <laughs> Things um, that don't suck. My thing that doesn't suck is that yesterday was my first day at my new job. And it seems scary and daunting, but also very exciting. Just because it's new. And I am glad to not be working in customer service anymore. Things that don't suck. Whoa. It's so sad that we've gotten to a place in this world where everybody is glad when they don't have to do customer service. Because it fucking blows. But it's, I'm just saying it's sad. Yeah. Okay. Um... (laughs) I don't know. There's so many things that don't suck it's in my true. life. I'm There's really happy. I've gotten some really nice feedback about this podcast, and I think that really doesn't suck. And I just really want to hear from people. So contact us. FFS the podcast. <laughs> Even if you just like, comment on our Facebook Comment post. on our Facebook. Like, FDA Family Storytime spelled E-F-F-E-D on Facebook because, you know, rules. I think it was <laughs> awesome, but I think we also have stuff to do. So I <laughs> yeah, think it's we time go. for us to say All goodbye. Right. All right. Happy. to say. Oh. I was just going to say happy Candlemas. Uh, happy Candlemas. Oh, happy happy Valentine's Day. 
Yeah, it's all out there in the ether now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I'll feed you soon. <laughs> you s- sounded like the pig from... Uh...